0: Hello and welcome to the Gold Ghosts and Guns podcast for March third, twenty twenty two. My name is Tom Luongo, and we have a lot to talk about today. is episode ninety eight, and uh, I got with me my partner Dexter White in the Gold Ghosts and Guns project. And Dexter and I want to talk about we're going to talk about all things Ukrainian war and Russia and all that stuff, but we're going to focus today on the the the. Media war, effectively the death of truth, and and the uh, and the massive amounts of misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation that's going on out there. So we're gonna that's our our plan for today. But quick programming note: Dexter and I are going to try and do. Uh, at more than one of these a week hopefully as many as possible uh depending on our schedules to try and keep everybody informed and we can you know continue to, to spitball what we think is coming because really i think at this point what's important is that we keep looking ahead at the next steps as to into the, in the process and that's of course going to be fluid so uh, that conversation is going to be a fluid one so dexter good morning thank you for doing this and uh how are you this morning
1: morning tom i'm doing good um thanks for having me on obviously is uh as always, um, yeah, uh, quite a different framework for a discussion about Russia than the last time I was on the podcast. And um, uh, yeah. first, first thing I want to say is, uh, I am, I wasn't in the prediction business that there was not going to be any war, but I will tell you that I was in the strong camp that there was going to be an incursion in Donetsk and Luhansk. Uh, exclusively, and that everything else was nonsense, and I was definitely wrong about that. Mm. And um, I I, I have some theories about why so many of us were wrong about it, and um, there's a lot about Putin that I'm concerned about, but not the narrative that he's a madman. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I actually think the narrative that's closer to the truth is maybe more frightening. (laughs) Okay. Um, but, but, but let's talk first about, um, you know, the U S is not a party in this war yet. Um, explicitly, um, we can talk about, you know, uh, lend lease style shipments of, of missiles, but, um, you know, we're seeing a tremendous amount of censorship here in the United States, like, uh, whether it's RT or Sputnik and, and we're seeing, um, sort of hysteria and conformity in our social media spaces that, that functionally act as another form of censorship. Um, and we're also seeing explicit censorship of accounts um, or deplatforming, whatever you want to call it, on on various social media accounts. Um, and it, I find that curious, given that we're not a belligerent. You know, just in general, like, I, I do not view RT as an unbiased source at all. Course, but I like being able to read it. I mean, you know, it's still accessible via via VPN, but Mm -hmm. it's just, I mean, the peculiarity of how this is going, um, because it's a war, you know, really kind of hit me in the face until I basically said, but what about deplatforming and you know the hysteria of these people, you know, from Trump onward? Like, w- this is the same pattern. And I guess the, the, the lesson we're, we can draw from this is that, hey, look, these people have one setting. It's hysterical, you know, apoplexy. And and even in times of incredible, you know, importance of being, you know, being of letting the adults run the show, uh, it looks like that era is over in, in American geopolitics uh, from, you know, from Washington, at least. Mm, and that's. Right.
0: <laughs> it is frightening. Um, it's frightening because all we're really getting now is the uh, histrionics of the people who stand to lose the most. What, what bothers me about all of this is it's very clear that the histrionics are coming from, I mean, a resurrected Hillary Clinton or, you know, a zombified Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, the the Lincoln Project, all of these people, it's 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 gotten to that level, and then it's, they keep taking it to another level of hysteria every day. And from my perspective, when I, when, whenever I see this level of of uh, of complete you know insanity, histrionics, hysterical, whatever you however you want to put it, it speaks to desperation. It speaks to this. Oh my God, we have to do something because we're losing. I, I, I've watched American foreign policy, in, especially as it pertains to areas where the U.S. and Russia are in kind of proxy conflict, be it Ukraine or Syria or anywhere else. And I've always noted the same thing, which is that we're always calling for ceasefire the minute we're losing or our proxy forces are losing. And Putin – I just read a, a, a thing on RT's Telegram channel, which is still active, by the way, and this is uh, talking about Putin's uh, phone call with Macron – uh, French President Emmanuel Macron, at least for today. Uh, and he explained that this was still about demilitarization and, the, and creating a neutral status for Ukraine so that the threat to Russia would never come from its territory again. And that attempts to gain time by del- delaying negotiations would only lead to the emergence of new demands on Kiev, meaning Putin is now um, uh, negotiating with the West over Ukraine the way I would. These are my softest terms. Now you, bar, you now you fight me on this, and you make this you try and make this longer, and I'm going to make it worse for you. And now I don't know how that plays into your new you know uh, uh, assessment of Putin, but to me that's different than I've seen from Putin in the past because he's always tried to be conciliatory and try to work with these people. So
1: yeah, um, I'll say let me say a few different things. Um, sure. I think that first and foremost, we are not in possession of any um, knowledge that's superior, uh, you know, or, or is exemplary. I mean, it's better than a lot of, no- I mean, I can identify disinformation, so I know that I'm better informed than that which is presented by the mainstream media. Um, and just to be clear, misinformation is, is you know, fog of war, disinformation is propaganda for, for you know, mm-hmm. those are the how I'm gonna be using those terms. Um and, and there's just, you know, there's a lack of clarity, there's a lack of, you know, operational information. Um then there's things like, you know, pictures from Chechnya being, you know, photoshopped with a with a Z on them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh and there's a lot of that. And then there's a ton of pictures of, you know, where you'll see, oh, dead Ukrainian, dead Russian, it's the same picture. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll see a tank with a Z and then you'll see the same tank with a with a with a weird looking Ukrainian flag. And so it's out there, and so you know I'm like a lot of things in in life. Your 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 truth heuristic. I mean, the way I approach many things is to negate that which you know to be false. Mm-hmm. Um, don't trust the actors you know to be giving you false information any more than d- just a little. I, I I don't typically you know turn everyone to zero because. Total lies don't actually work very well. So you have to kind of, you know, listen even to the people you know who are liars, because th- some parts of, you know, the truth will be in there. Yep. But 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 once you've realized they're liars, you you discount it heavily. Um. I don't have much better <laughs> thing to say about that. But it with that context, you know, the first the top of this is with all the information and all we know about putin all we know about his planning and all you know a lot of people were surprised about the scale and and the fact that this was an invasion versus an incursion he set up the legal framework uh for an incursion into you know obviously republics that only he recognizes and we can roll our eyes at that and we should Mm -hmm. but that's a different thing than what we 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 got so Mm -hmm. so let's look at what I expected to happen and what a great number of people expected to happen and what the information led us, you know, strongly supported the theory. And that was just, he'll legally recognize the two breakaway republics. He'll say they're autonomous. He will then be able to explicitly bring flagged Russian equipment and soldiers into there. The West will whine. He'll push them back to the line of control Sorry, he'll reinforce the current line of control and push them all to the, you know, the the oblast borders, uh, you know, that everybody recognizes. And then, you know, he stops. Mm -hmm. That would have been, you know, a different thing that happened in Crimea. Um, But but basically he would be he would be have a ton of Russian troops and equipment there. And then he would basically be saying, well, when once all the this is all signed and these republics are recognized by other people, we will leave or we'll just sit here like Transnistria until you, you know, in perpetuity and you guys will just deal with it. And and that seemed to be what was on the table. Um right. and mm-hmm. and and that would have I think comported with a very, you know, like not that anybody's been listening to him about defending Russian ethnic, you know, residents of those those Ukrainian, you know, breakaway republics. Had he done that, you know, and he just you know, he would be like, oh, since you guys haven't listened to any speech I've given in the last four, six, 10 years, like, this is why I did it. This is what I did. And now I've done it. And, you know, screw you. And whether whether the West would have given him any, you know, respect for it, or at least been like contextually, like, well, he's wrong, but we accept his explanation for his behavior, although blah, 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 you know, preaching. But, you know, so so all of that was what I expected and what we got was what we got. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I I can't ignore the situation in Kazakhstan, you know, two to three weeks before all of this happened. And I can't help but wonder if something happened there that gave Putin the impression that the West was going to really go for broke in in these former Soviet Union member states Um And I think it's important to contrast where Putin will not tolerate certain Western intrigues as being the Warsaw Pact countries, you know, for people who were a little younger, the Soviet Union and the Warsaw Pact are not the same thing. The Soviet Union was the union of Soviet socialist republics. The Ukrainian SSR, the Kazakhstan SSR, the you know, the Uzbek, all these places were SSRs, meaning Soviet republics. And they were collectively the Soviet Union. And with the exception of the Baltics, Estonia, Lithuania, and Latvia, um, every member of NATO is a former Warsaw Pact country. And so I think it's important, like I'm gonna actually make a map of this for future use, because I think it's you know, it's really important to understand that that's the line for Putin. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if you want to talk a little about Kazakhstan. Any thoughts you have on that? Because I think there was a trigger there that I, I don't. You know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. No. I, I I'm happy to talk about Kazakhstan because from my perspective, it was it was okay. What I saw in Kazakhstan. Um, let's let's kind of back up. And I I wrote about it a lot. I think I've got a, a couple of big uh, blog posts on Kazakhstan in the uh, on. The, the blog at tomlongo.me, which I, I also know, noticed that never went wide to Zero Hedge. So a lot of people who are usually following, you know, the the stuff that, that we put out didn't get those memos, okay, because they didn't, because the, a lot of people follow us strictly on Zero Hedge and not other places. So this is important. So Kazakhstan was, an, um, was a, a place ready to explode. The former leader, Nazarbayev, uh, who was there since, you know, who took the country over after the Soviet Union fell apart and was there up until very recently, um, had stepped down, but stepped down in name only. He was still in control of the Security Council, which meant he was still in control of the the, the military there and and uh, the intelligence services. Now, um, the current leader, Tokayev, was supposedly his handpicked uh, um, uh, uh, successor, but it looks like he was actually more likely Putin's handpicked successor, and there was a lot of tension between the Kazakh government and the uh, the portions of it still controlled by Nazarbayev, unofficially. You know, in the in the kind of, you know, he controlled the bureaucracy, and, and Tokayev controlled the, the the nominal head of state. Right. Then this thing exploded, and all of a sudden we had a um, we had a, a full blown uh, uh, revolt across the entire country, centered in Almaty, the the capital. And uh, I saw a lot of similar um, st- strategies and tactics being employed against local police there uh, and Kazakh military there that were similar to what happened in Syria. Okay, now with well, Nazarbayev, well, so yeah. like, with Nazarbayev in charge of the military, the the Kazakh military was was told to stand down in the early days of it, in the early hours of it. And Tokayev immediately went against and, went, and took control, knocked out Nazarbayev, took, took control of the Security Council, and then the for, and then uh, military forces were uh, were deployed. And in the same hour, literally called Putin and said, "Bring the CSTO forces into Kazakhstan to put everything down." And, get, and, and they never lost control of any of the airports, and the whole thing was put down within what two or three days. And, and so
1: the the key thing is that it really looked like uh, an influx of non Kazakh fighters. Right. I mean, like like that's I think the key thing. And 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 there was also I mean one thing is that there people were legitimately um, angry about the end of uh, gas stipends or or. Uh,
0: Yes. About either the-
1: cheap gas or stipends. I don't know how they did it, but right. the bottom line is there was, you know, it's a, an honest to God, you know, like, hey, this stuff got really expensive. We're mad. And, um, right. you right. know, and this is when intelligence agencies like to coordinate making input prices worse and and, and introduce, you know, mal- malign actors. Absolutely. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is literally an operations how- manual.
0: <laughs> right. This is how they do it, and when they absolutely hijacked what you know, and and they had, and obviously MI6 and the CIA had forces in there ready to go, and what I was impressed with was was the speed with which both Takayev, the, the 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 Kazakh uh, prime minister, and the Russians were on this. Like they could see this coming from a mile away. And they were kind of waiting for it and waiting and lying in wait for it. And in my mind, the, you know, I've, I've watched a lot of these things happen. And, and to me, to watch them all show up within 48 hours and mobilize 5,000 troops and, and have the Russians like drop 5,000 troops in 24 hours was crazy.
1: Well, maybe those troops were getting ready for Ukraine, and they uh, put them.
0: <laughs> no, I think they know They were actually stationed and ready to go into into Kazakhstan. I think they understood. I think that I think it speaks to a failure of human intelligence on the ground in Kazakhstan that the that the Russians and the and the Kazakhs understood, knew what was coming, were prepared for it, reacted perfectly because the timing is just too. Uh, is yeah, too and,
1: and let us talk. I mean, I'll just introduce the what I'm so sure. so. The thing is, is that. We're seeing a lot of stories of, you know, Russian POWs and whatnot. And it's obviously like you can look through the nonsense and the overproduction of, oh, they're all they're all 18 year old, you know, crying. But but it's pretty clear to me that some number of these divisions of uh, Russian material are are, were not really the tip of the spear. And so that's Mm -hmm. what kind of makes me think, I mean, look, you don't put this much planning into this. And then like have a really weak, soft, almost laughable division like go in first. I don't, I don't care what anybody says about their alternate theory of Russian, you know, like strategy. It just doesn't fly. Um, and and separately, I also, you know, obviously the whole Russian army is not battle hardened from Syria, but right. there's a lot of the Russian army, just like there's a lot of the Ukrainian army who mm-hmm. who have gotten plenty of of you know time uh, to to really like hone skills um and there's a lot of the russian army that are you know aren't are that are green and mm-hmm. um i i just think that the numbers that led you know it just it seems to me you know we don't know much about the south it's interesting you don't see nearly as much coming out of the south as the north mm-hmm. and um i think that could have to do with you know how much you know electronic warfare uh the 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 russians have in crimea i mean it's been their base of operations for naval everything for a very long time they have a lot of assets there Mm -hmm. and uh so i don't know but i I could i could see that the north i mean i but i but i think you know encircling kiev securing chernobyl those were real objectives and um you know i don't know things have definitely gone wrong in the north there's no mm -hmm. doubt um you know the I, I think it's similar to what happened in Iraq. Like we, we planned a decapitation strike against Saddam and um, in the second Gulf war and uh, you know, it failed. And so mm-hmm. then we had to come in and, you know, do the thing. And right. eventually, you know, he obviously, it took a long time to find him. Like mm-hmm. the war was over and we found him in, you know, in the spider hole or whatever they call that. Right. Um, So, <clears throat> but, but I, but I just have looked at enough equipment and stuff that I, I, Believe is accurate enough, and its actual that are current photographs. It just seems to me that this is Plan B, um, or maybe even Plan C. Um, like I just am convinced that the 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 people who were in Belarus were probably there as a as a distraction, and then they got used. And I think mm-hmm. that was very quickly reordered because there were some. If you remember, right when we were still in the oh Russians are doing exercises. Right. There was some like weird thing about like they were pulling out of Belarus and then they were going back into Belarus. And I thought it was just so oh, these guys don't know what they're talking about. I wasn't paying that much attention. But right. in retrospect, that could be they're like, oh, no, we're going in. Keep these reserves there. Get these complete idiots out and then put in like a command column. OK, mm-hmm. I'll follow the leader. We're going in from here, too. And it was it might have been a quickly reconfigured invasion because right. I, I just – there's so much wrong with where this goes for Putin mm-hmm. that I just have a real hard time
0: believing this is what he's been planning for a year. Right. I mean, the, the whole operation in this, in, in at this scale, right? I, I, that I, that's a fair assessment. Um, But I, what we can say is that in the South, I think everything has gone according to plan almost perfectly. The encirclement of Mariupol has happened quickly. Kherson, nikolai uh, the the, the uh, everything coming out of, uh, uh, coming north out of Crimea and moving west towards Odessa, I think that's all going to plan. Um, the north looks to be shakier, certainly. Uh, now the question is whether or not that was meant to be a distraction as well, and it wasn't really meant to do anything other than focus attention away from the real fighting and the real objective, which is the Donbass. Moreover, to uh, justify the knocking out of you know, Ukrainian anti-aircraft uh, batteries to the on the in the western half of the country. So, you know what I mean? I I, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, it's a good. It's, these are all good. These are all good conjectures.
1: Yeah. Right? I mean, I want to talk about the madman theory here of history. Um, mm-hmm. So. First, first from me, like I, um, I would have grudgingly accepted, you know, what I described earlier, the the the, the Donbass only plan, mm-hmm. and I would have just kind of left with pretty much my same view of Putin as before. Um, f- flat out, what he's done, invading uh, another country, regardless of his stated reasons, um, is completely unacceptable to me. Um, I, I think Putin has lost um, whatever legitimacy he had. That said, um, I think he's a rational actor and I, I, I'm very concerned by, by the utter uselessness of this. He's Hitler. Um, you know, just the madman theory of history is so childish. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's plenty of things you can say about Putin now that he's done what he's done that are more than sufficient to say he needs to be stopped instead of turning him into a cartoon. Mm. I think what's interesting is how many people who know so little about Ukraine uh, are being, you know, I heard freaking Kramer on CNBC today doing like a step and fetch it routine about, oh, how, how could they be Nazis? He, uh, the left key is Jewish, you know, it's just like, dude, really, like, you have to jump in on this? Right. The thing is, is like, Putin is a propagandist, just like we are propagandists, but Putin, you know, has... Uh, you know i don 't know the extent of the war crimes on each side in the Donbass the last ten years, but i'm pretty sure they are on each side mm-hmm. um that said the The fact is that there are open right wing Nazi emblem flying members in the Azov battalions, and there' are not a few of them you know we talk occasionally about white nationalists in the marine Corps in the united states they that people you know g- get the vapors and faint and they chase them down and they kick them out you know but like it's not like we have divisions of nazis in the marines or the army um people need to understand that there are open nazis almost at the cartoon level in these battalions Mm -hmm. there's also a very strong right-wing history in ukraine going back to stepan bandera and um you know, lots of stuff like in the world Second World War, you know, collusion with the Nazis, participation in the Holocaust is obviously not a universal Ukrainian thing. But, um, you know, there's a lot of anti-Soviet uh, fervor that was there. I mean, going back to the Kulaks, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for Ukrainians in the 40s to be like, all right, whatever, someone's going to go after the Soviets, we're with them. Right. And... You know it's a big topic i suggest people read up on it but like when you see members of the u.s press media etc describing the this language of denazification as insane it's cartoonish what is he even talking about look i'd much rather they say look this is highly exaggerated this is an element within the ukrainian you know military Uh, We like putting them on the front line because we kind of think they're creepy and we like burning them up. You know, it's just like the way the Russians use the Chechens. You know, maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. But like Ukraine is not a Nazi state. Right. Um, Right. and, And so some level of Putin's simplistic story is 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 laughable. But that doesn't mean it is without any element of truth. And, and it's literally got a lot more elements of truth than the average person understands to the point that I'm not sure, you know, like Facebook had to change their policy against Azov uh, material. The Azov battalions are banned on Facebook as an extremist right wing Nazi organization. And they just change that to, to be like, well, as long as you're supporting the Ukrainian war, it's OK to post, you know, images of the Azov battalions. And, and right. I'm like, okay, so that's real, <laughs> you know. Right. And a lot of people who are just can't wrap their head around this, you know. And and like, I'll put it this way: you can be against Putin without being a Nazi, just because yep. there are some people in Ukraine who, frankly, are Nazis. <laughs> right you know? and and that's apparently just is a bridge too far in complexity for the the people who run the propaganda machine. They're just like it's a complete cognitive dissonance meltdown and so they're like oh do do da uh they don't right. know nothing anywhere. Right.
0: <laughs> it's like, except okay. in the United States. Except
1: in the United States, right? Except on podcasts. Of except on podcasts didn't like vote this for one
0: or, or yeah, you know whatever. Yeah. And and it's it's ridiculous. Like I've been sitting here for two weeks now going look if you you know all of you all of you on the left who were telling us that you need to punch nazis in the face like david harbour uh hey man why don't you stop uh why don't you stop being a bad actor and you know strap on a friggin ak-47 and go fight uh go fight for the ukrainians and there you can go punch nazis because you'll be standing right next to them like it's (laughs) ridiculous because there's one right there you can he's got a swastika tattooed on his right arm you can you know But,
1: but but you know part of me thinks this is just um more of an indictment of our, of the thinness of our leadership than than necessarily a propaganda problem like I, we we have yes, people in absolutely. our state department who are so stupid that like we have people working the Cyprus desk who don't know there was an invasion from turkey in 1974 okay exactly. that's mm-hmm. absurd it and so absurd. i am certain we have people working the ukraine desk who do not know who stepan bandera was I, i'm certain of it yeah. so you know that's the world we live in. We have a senile president um, mm-hmm. who, you know, if you didn't watch, you know, if you want to see a chart of what time-release Adderall looks like as it's metabolized, watch the State of the Union.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. Seriously. So. It's, uh, but it's not. So, but it's not just here in the. It's not just here in the U.S., Dexter. This is the thing. It's all across Europe. Like I'm watching the thinness of the. I'm watching the 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 childish. Yeah, and just to be action. clear. You're
1: not talking about senility. You're talking about lack uh, of depth. Uh, <laughs> lack of
0: depth and 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 yeah. Well, they're they're not. Yeah, they're not there yet. But we have senile people running the United States, like Pelosi and 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 Biden. But watching like the um watching Europe literally light their hair on fire and saying and saying all of the things that they've said and I'm like we're going to do all this and it's crazy because as you and I talked about the other day, it's like it seems like like the millennials working the the propaganda desk um, at ver- these various uh, uh, the European countries say we're going to send uh, missiles and weapons to Ukraine. I like close the business right before they shut down for the evening, and then but knowing the bosses all went home, and the bosses wake up the next morning and go, "What did you say last night? No, no, no we're not sending tanks from Poland into Ukraine. Like that's not happening." And that right. has happened over and over and over again. Now, this is not to say that there aren't Weapons being funneled and, and material and men moving into Ukraine. NATO was absolutely involved in this fight unofficially. Don't anybody kid you. The fact that Putin has not made this abundantly, has not um, trumpeted this to the world, uh, speaks to, in my mind, it speaks to his own willing his unwillingness to escalate this further like he already knows he's fighting nato just like he knew he was fighting the u.s yeah. in, you know embedded troops in syria like
1: well, i don't i don't buy that the russians aren't flying uh combat air patrol uh, continuously over the entire country because the ukrainians have such good ability to hide assets we've clearly you know nato's clearly snuck in enough stingers that the russians are spooked by it mm-hmm. and um i think uh Putin has just said, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna do the Nova Russia thing, and we're gonna Mm -hmm. focus on the south. We're gonna destroy forty percent of the Ukrainian army, the part Mm -hmm. that really knows how to fight, meaning Mm -hmm. the Azov battalions that are near the line of control. Um, And he's gonna have to take that as his win. Um, Mm -hmm.
0: I think that's what I think that's now. This is
1: what I mean. mean, Nova Russia. So for people, uh, was uh, you know." in the late 19th century was a thing you know and mm-hmm. basically just look at the black sea coast of ukraine um, stretching back about the width of of luhansk and donetsk and in, in, in the far east and and that's more or less what it looks like plus mm-hmm. crimea although historically crimea was its own thing but it will definitely all uh, crimea will be continue to be de facto russia and Nova Russia will probably be some new republic only recognized by Russia in the beginning. And, um, and then I, the would pre- would, I would predict Odessa falls by negotiated takeover um, once the rest of the South is mopped up. And then I think, you know, you may differ and I expect you do differ, but I think we're going to be at a pretty big impasse. And um, this will wind up with that being what the Russians achieve and then they'll retreat keep Chernobyl, and then there'll be some sort of negotiated grown-up handoff of Chernobyl
0: as a separate event once the war is over. I think that that is the most likely end of Act One of this operation. That I think that it's at that moment that... Um I think you're absolutely you want to talked about this uh, privately, which is part of the reason why we wanted to do these podcasts, because we just realized that, you know, we're, we're talking about stuff that no one else is. And we should, you know, we're going ahead three, four or five steps down the road as to where this goes. I agree with you about all of this stuff. I have heard recently, though, that there are a bunch of Azov guys holed up in Odessa and that it, it may take a little bit more blood than, you know, you and I had originally bracketed for. Um, you know, we've been bracketing for all week. We're doing this on Thursday. Right. So, but I do agree with that. And, uh, the, the article I published yesterday on the blog, which is now the opening art, which is now the lead article on zero hedge has the my perspective map as to where this ends. So if anybody's interested, you go check that out. I I published that map for the uh, our patrons uh our ver- early version of it when the war first broke out the next morning saying this is what we're all most likely looking at. It falls along ethnic and geographic lines with the Dnepr River being mostly the border of the of Nova and the mostly ethnically Russian and predominantly Russian speaking uh, portions of Ukraine now effectively joining Donetsk and Lugansk into uh, what would be a new quote unquote buffer state. The Ukraine uh, and then the EU effectively gets to the rump, which is, you know, the West, Kiev, and points west. And then the only uh, and then the bigger question I have is, and this is going a little further down the line here, is in order to placate, the situation of uh, various players here. Transcarpathia, which is uh, mostly, uh, if I remember correctly, Hungarian, possibly also R- uh, Romanian. And Lviv is Polish. And the Poles are still very angry about not having been given back uh, Lviv mm-hmm. after World War II. Mm-hmm. And th- those are all bargaining chips in this in order to try and allay. Their worries about further Russian expansions. So when any negotiated settlement here, may involve those trans, that transfer of territory, and um, I, I think, or at least these are bargaining chips going forward for all of this. In my in my estimation, it just seems obvious to me at some point at, at some point that we're looking at that, and the reality then is um, Putin will have effectively achieved his goals. He will have mostly demilitarized. Ukraine. He will have mostly, quote unquote, denazified, again, salt to taste, roll your eyes as much as possible, um, the Ukrainian army and ended the threat of, you know, the organized and U.S. and NATO backed, tr- you know, military um, terrorizing ethnic Russians in the south and the east of Ukraine, which, you know, everyone should cheer. In a sense, because no one we, look, this is that you know, ethnic violence is just not acceptable and ethnic violence. And it's what, what's worse is state sponsoring of ethnic violence is unacceptable.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the the biggest problem that I mean, we'll talk about where Putin and Russia uh, going forward. I mean, I think there's a much less uh, I, I think they're at a huge disadvantage going forward, um, because, like I said, I think Putin's lost legitimacy and he's not going to be given it back. Um it's gone. Mm-hmm. And um you know, at this point, I, I think it's safe to say that there has been um a testing of Russia's tolerance in Luhansk and Donetsk. Um and that but that doesn't mean that the both sides were not testing each other. Mm-hmm. But um I don't know. It's going to be a very hard um, – like like I'll put it this way. Why is Zelensky um, – now, now I understand that Zelensky's an actor and maybe he's perhaps prone to flights of fancy, but he's setting up a level of resistance that does not comport with the situation on the ground. And the propaganda is one thing, but his behavior and his – you know, his leadership and it's good. I mean, I, I admire his, you know, leadership under fire, but to what end? Mm-hmm. Um, if, if he's holding out for the, you know, the proverbial cavalry to arrive, I, I'm concerned that, are they going to, you know, is, no, I NATO, I, you know, and I they, don't see NATO doing I, it. I listen, don't I, it. I don't think so either. But the the thing is, is at some point, you have to ask yourself why are you going to literally get an entire generation of your young men killed by russian bombers in a place where they do have air cover
0: um,
1: what are you doing dude like like well, i'm not i'm not trying to say he should surrender his country but i think that i think what's going to come for russia and especially for putin after this will be dramatic and i just don't understand what the deal is with a futile resistance. Um, And I don't mean it's, it's futile everywhere. I just mean like the way this is being done with the support of, you know, like I, I I have friends in Ukraine and I've been in contact with them and like my coloring of the situation is not based on throwing a dart at the wall and, and guessing which bullshit I see on, on, you know, the internet is real. Like the, the Russians are, are at kiev dude like they're not Mm -hmm. this they're not being repelled by you know this is just methodical it's bad Mm -hmm. and they're not the the ukrainians are not going to win and repel them right um so the question is is like what is what is is motivating zelensky at this point to not negotiate i mean he should have left saved his life saved his own family i'm sorry that's just Mm -hmm. you know or stay and be a martyr, but like, dude, you're gonna get shot. Like, at least send your family to Poland or whatever. Right. And and then make your choice. And if you want to be a martyr, do do your thing. But stop. I don't know. We don't there's have all a, the information. A
0: big, there's a and you, that w- which gets into a, a bigger story that we don't quite have time for today. Um, and I want to get into the next time you and I talk about this, which is and it's it's that we have. That Zelensky is a I feel is a puppet for somebody else. Like there's a legal aspect of this. If Ukraine surrenders, then there's no more there's no more war. Right? And at that point, then the this can't be left as an open conflict to be angry about. Like then things legally everything changes if they surrender. And that's why he's not surrendering. He's being told not to surrender. He was gonna right. surrender, no, he was told not to surrender. And this is why,
1: yeah, well, the heuristic of of the, you know, of the intelligence playground that is Ukraine and and the reactions we've seen from our air quotes ruling class. Like to me, the heuristic is imposter syndrome or cover up. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. one of the it's one or both. Right. Mm-hmm. And and with imposter syndrome, like I said before, when you got people who who literally are in our State Department don't know the history of the countries they they they're working in, um, it's 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 tempting to believe that's only at the very low level, but it, it goes really high up the chain of command, mm-hmm. and and it certainly is present in in our congressional leadership. Like we have mm-hmm. some real morons on both sides. Let yes. me be clear. Oh, yes. we have complete morons in the Republican and Democratic parties you know i mean for god's sakes rubio phone mm-hmm. party marco the right. fucking right. moron that he is is yes. is literally on the intelligence committee he's a ranking member on the intelligence committee a man who's bereft of any personal intelligence yes and and so you know um, the, I mean, the, the, the point is, is that that the imposter syndrome thesis is inherently valid. But is it explanatory? Right. The cover up thesis is conjecture.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like we all you know, I know that you and I believe it's true. I'm not right. going to say that I don't. But I also will say that I can't prove a lot of the things I believe because why I believe them is just uh, Sort of a heuristic over time watching these people like you're not going to convince me that Hillary Clinton is not corrupt just because she's never been arrested. Right. Sorry. Right. <laughs> like like that ship same has thing, sailed.
0: Same thing with Joe Biden or Mitt Romney or anybody else. And they all have like and, it, and it's not just that they're dirty for, you know, uh, gas contracts and, you know, all the rest. Of it. It, it's far deeper than that. I think it's far. I think I think the level of 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 quote-unquote cover-up in Ukraine is so massive. And then there's the other angle to this, which is there's a, there's that, you know, going back to what you asked about Kazakhstan earlier, and this is, I've been, you know, you and I've talked about this, which is that Kazakhstan was the last, and Ukraine are the last two areas of the Russian border, the Western and Southern borders of Russia, that, the, that could be uh, intelligence playgrounds. Kazakhstan has been wiped out of its, uh, of that, of that uh, quote-unquote revolutionary spirit. There's no color revolution happening in Kazakhstan this point forward. They already tried that in Belarus and they failed in 2020. And Ukraine is all the only thing left. So in a sense, this is existential for people like Victoria Newland, who, by the way, I just saw came out and said, "Hey, if Russia is ready ready to withdraw their troops from Ukraine, the U.S. is ready to negotiate." On uh, Interesting. Okay. Newland was, just that, said what,
1: that was that a verified source? Or was that that like, came
0: from this is coming from RT. It didn't before. come
1: from. Oh, okay, from RT.
0: Came from RT, came from RT <laughs> and, and who like, actually said it? came
1: from Sputnik's Twitter. It must be true. Well,
0: that was coming from RT's t- uh, official Telegram channel. So um, that's what yeah. I'm looking no, at. No, right I mean, now.
1: I mean, that's something I would immediately want to verify from another For, source. But that's sure. that's literally um, willingness to surrender. If that's the case,
0: mm-hmm. that, that um, me, it, it must mean that the facts on the ground are closer to, you know that russia is closer to achieving its uh, military objectives in ukraine than we've thought before
1: yeah and and think, the thing about kazakhstan is there is a uh, an internal uh no matter what we want to say about takaya there is an internal um desire to be you know friend of three masters being china russia and the u.s like kazakhstan is very important to china Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I would not discount that if the U.S. I mean, I would not discount that there's people inside the U.S. State Department who might have been playing some of these games who are 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 agents of China at this point. Um, mm-hmm. Because if we've thrown in the towel, the next best thing is to you know foment you know distrust between China and Russia.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and 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 sure. separately, I know that. There's got to be a, an appreciable number of these people clearly are not on the side of the United States. We have plenty of data on that. So mm-hmm. the idea that they're serving the Chinese is just not that hard to contemplate. Yep. Um, and again, I'm not pointing the fingers at anyone specifically. That's conjecture. But, you know, you got to look at what you see and ask yourself, what could cause this other than, you know, Putin is Hitler? <laughs> <laughs>
0: pootler like there, right? there might they, be a better or explanation they call on, various, on various sites putler or putler. it's yeah. really hilarious
1: well the, the other thing that i find insane is that like how fucking ignorant these people are like they 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 feel that like russians hating nazis is like a new thing <laughs> it's like oh he, it's like it's like you guys don't know there's a through line there yeah like r- yeah. really like Look, like, oh it's it's not believable that the russians don't like nazis like really like you're you're you're
0: are well you I mean we serious? are talking we are talking about people who are we are talking about people who are quite unserious we have unserious yeah. Yeah. leadership but they're like
1: they're like why are they still talking about the great patriotic war it's so corny it's like dude do you know they lost 20 million people fighting the nazis like yeah are you aware of that they they like that shit was like real for them you right
0: moron the entire generation of russians <laughs> fought like, the like, nazis
1: like, I, I just like when i hear this stuff i'm like okay this is the source of the absurdity this is how dumb these people are right. you know it, you, they they're incapable of literally just being like all right we don't agree with this guy. We're against him. He's an adversary, but he's internally consistent. Like, right. You, you know, he he doesn't like the West for reasons. Right. You know, and and, and so they're real reasons. They just won't let those reasons exist because they're so unsure of their personal, and a lot of them, frankly, have no personal, you know, center of gravity ethically. Um, that. You know, it's just it's just remarkable to me. And and the fact that there's so many people who cannot comprehend that that you can disaggregate all this stuff and still be against Putin, mm-hmm. and but but to yeah. be against him for reasons that actually make sense and incorporate facts. Right. And, <clears throat> yeah, no, you know, exactly. what, like what like what I was alluding to before, I, I mean, I, this may be really I, I have some horizon pie in the sky stuff, I'll say, for the end. But but in the in the near term um you know crossing the Dnieper is crossing the rubicon and and putin did something that the west is not gonna let him walk back personally putin's never going to be able to enter the west again and i think he's going to be forced due to internal intrigue and and this is after the violence is over and, and and wherever there are russian troops remaindering i'm predicting that that some a large amount of ukraine will be preserved in this scenario and let's just say nova russia is a thing with or without odessa um but bigger than donetsk and luhansk <clears throat> mm-hmm. um you know the, they'll preserve the waterway uh, control for crimea at the very least mm-hmm. um and i think they're going to keep mariupol and meliopol oh, yeah, absolutely um, i would be surprised if they didn't have a contiguous you know i i will bracket that they just say odessa is not worth it it's not worth it mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah, but, but whatever. Um, my point and what I'm what I'm saying is, is Putin will then be persona non grata. Mm-hmm. He will have to move against the oligarchs for reasons that we will find out later. Like oligarchs will, will split, you know, and there, there's a lot of capital in Russia. Um, a lot of their capital is also outside of Russia. You know, they will things will happen. And once he moves against one set of oligarchs, the rest will do whatever they do. And then that purge cycle will will cause more and more isolation and, and the sanctions will be worse and worse for Russia. And we will we will be basically offering coup for freedom, you know, to Russia. And what Putin does at that point, you know, frightens me because at that point we have to hope, you know, command and control breaks down. Um, like it did in the Cuban Missile Crisis, which is the only reason any of us are here, is because there was a Russian sub officer who stopped them from launching tact what you know tactical nukes, but more than enough to take out Miami. Right. Um, you know, we we people don't know the history very well of of what happened during the Cuban Missile Crisis, but we did really almost have a nuclear war, mm-hmm. um, and and there were standing orders that had subsurfaced surfaced after being, you know, regionally depth charged, uh, had they been able to surface without certain officers, clearer heads prevailing, um, they would have launched. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's the best we can hope for now, uh, that's quite frightening. So I, I don't know what happens at the crescendo of Putin's time, but I, I don't envision the West And their hysteria not that invading ukraine is acceptable it isn't but these people aren't um leaders of of the type that you want during a war they're not capable of actual rational frameworks and accepting
0: you know accepting loss
1: they're they're psychotic and they're very dangerous and yes. that is who's in charge and and you know I think
0: that is and and that's what brackets and then the real question is is if Putin is the least psychotic of the group um, you know maybe he can anyway. just
1: hang out in Russia with a lot of nukes you know for 10 15 years until he dies like that's possible um, we'll see it's preferable to you know them launching
0: Yes, it is. My bigger worry is that Davos, who is the ones that that's my, you know, my my theory of Davos, I still believe and we're going to cut this one off because I got I've got to run. I can't uh, go much further today, which is this, that uh, Davos is while they picked this fight in the first place to effectively force him into this into the existential decision of if you're not going to negotiate with me, then I have to secure Ukraine. This is and they knew that he would do this, that if that's the case, then If their goals are continue to be um, uh, that and then because they're attempting to terrorize their own populations for their own desires, which are well stated. Depopulation, great reset, blah, 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 blah. Then are they going to force his hand further after the and we'll know that after Act One is over. I'm not willing to to go much further than that. But I what I'm seeing from them right now and what I'm seeing from the orders that are being given to the leadership in the European Union and to the United States tells me that that's where they're willing to go to that route. They're willing to go to that level, but we're go, we'll see where we get with this once act 1 is over and the initial military op- operations in Ukraine are complete. How about that as a, as an ending point? What do you think?
1: Um Yeah. I mean, I want to say one other thing about the sort of horizon. Um, I I agree. There's a tripwire here of like, you know, the next five days Zelensky needs to consolidate around understanding he's not going to repel them by force. Right. And, and we need to get our heads around what is going to be the cessation of hostilities. Mm -hmm. I think what happens after that is, is negotiated and, um, Putin will have to play his cards perfectly. And given how poorly he's played them thus far, that's an open question. And that's something we're going to talk about in another podcast. And um, along with all the energy implications, you know, Putin can (laughs) still turn off the gas on his own.
0: uh, FYI, you probably haven't seen this this morning. I saw a report this morning that the Yamal pipeline is uh, drying up and there are bids coming out of Europe for gas coming out of Yamal. Unlike last month, when there was no gas, but there were no bids, meaning they right. didn't want to buy any Russian gas today. They want to buy Russian gas and Putin saying, you know what? No. Right. So well,
1: it's what happened earlier, like like in the first days, like they, they said that I don't know if it was which Ukrainian pipeline, but um, mm-hmm. they, they it had been gone into like a bidless state. But then the because of the price spike, it, they had to fully pressurize it and it was just flowing, flowing, flowing. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more worried about much, you know, like Rosatom and like the, 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 the United States putting on possibly even regionally politically motivated like bans on uranium. I mean, like, listen, we also have to deal with Biden like fantasizing about crushing Florida because right. a, a uranium price spike really hurts the state of Florida because we have a lot of nuclear here and um and like don't you know don't count that out like if he can screw florida he will um (laughs) there's
0: so much to say
1: yeah no we're going to talk about all we're going to talk about all the energy stuff in a separate podcast all all i'm going to say is the horizon of a post-putin russia you know like the idea that it could be brought into the west is i think the rosiest you know Plan, but it's only possible if we have a post Davos, you know, post frankly Democrats in America like leadership Mind. with some degree of actual humility. Because with the absence of humility, if everything has to be existential, Hitler, you know, aliens, whatever, like, like Independence Day level shit, like, it's never like we're, these morons are going to push us into the unthinkable. And, um, like, I don't need the the us and russia on the same team and aligned against china although i would prefer it because frankly that's what should have happened at the end of the cold war of course but if we can just get to a unipolar world where everybody like calms the fuck down and like you know kind of says look we we have our spheres of influence they're pretty plastic there's a lot of trade but you know you're not putting troops in any of you know everyone just sits it you know i would much prefer that world and Mm -hmm. You know, I thought we were moving towards that with Putin, but I got to tell you, my prediction is Putin can't survive like what he's opened up here in in, Mm -hmm. in the long. I I just we'll see. Anyway, that's my my spiel. All
0: right. Well, uh, we'll leave it there. I think um, there's a I think there's a thread. I think there's a needle to be threaded here, but we'll talk about that in another podcast. Extra, thank you so much for um, your uh, your attention to detail and, and all of this. Uh, it's always really, uh, helped me, uh, present, you know, uh, what needs to be presented. So My I appreciate pleasure. it. Well,
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, like you said earlier, what we're going to try to do one or two of these a week on, you know, just to prevent, present, sorry, uh, what are, you know, just what we're seeing and, and to present, to present like an alternative to the you know, the Kramer
0: show. Oh my God. (laughs) All right, guys, that'll about wrap it up for episode 98 of the gold coats and guns podcast. We'll be back soon. Sooner than normal. You guys be well, you take care. We'll talk soon. Keep your stick on the ice.